to the Travel Like a Boss podcast, the radio show all about traveling like a boss by being your own boss. Stay tuned for weekly interviews featuring guests that have built their own online businesses. If you would like to have access to our entire back catalog, visit travellikeabosspodcast.com for instant access. And here's your host, Johnny FD. Hey everyone, this is Johnny and welcome to episode 137 of the Travel Like Boss Podcast. I'm here with Rob Fortney. Hey, how are you doing today? <laughs> yeah, good buddy. Good to see you. Raining like crazy today. You know, Chiang Mai is a, is a funny place that even when it rains, I actually like it. Yeah, except the floods. That's the first time I've seen the floods, and I'm sure that's much more like in the rainy season. But yeah. we went through some two and a half foot deep water. On scooters that are With like legs two and a half feet. Yeah. I was wearing long pants <laughs> and um, like, t- you know, tennis shoes. Right. And I was like, this water doesn't go to my knees. Right. But we both got our feet, didn't get wet. So we did good. I think we got very lucky. So uh, I talked, it's what, November? in Chiang Mai and it normally doesn't rain during this right. time like what, what, what's rainy season um isn't it like from like July to September or something like that yeah it's like this the what we call the summer months if we're in the U.S. but here this is like the dry cool season absolutely but you know what the weather's crazy in the world and I actually don't mind it because it's not um it's not like in the U.S. when it's rainy and like you're freezing and it's, right. it sucks here it rains for a few hours and I, I almost guarantee that even by the time we're done with this podcast, it's probably going to be sunny. Yeah, I, I've seen that a lot here too. It's, it's, uh, the weather is great here. I mean, it's cool at night now, so it's probably mid-70s now. You turn on the fan and there's no more, uh, you know, having to have your air, AC on all night. Yeah, I haven't slept with, the, with air conditioning for a while, uh, which is probably good because I don't know how. I'd never get sick. Maybe it was if I was traveling, but I'm drinking some ginger honey tea right now. And try to nurse my throat a bit. I see. Well, me too. I'm, maybe it'll nurse my throat a bit <laughs> from all of my auto or all my bike accidents. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So tell us about that. What happened? Uh, it started pouring down rain. And I, I mean, I probably haven't ridden a motorcycle or a motorbike in, you know, ever probably in the rain because you just wouldn't normally do that. Well, I got caught in the monsoon. And uh, so I did a quick U turn to go back to my place. And because I'm not. Sometimes I, my, my American brain goes back to America driving on the right side of the road. When I turned through the deal and did the U-turn, I was on the right side of the road. And I, I looked up and here comes a song tow at me. And so I had one choice. I couldn't go to the left, so I had to go to the right. And I went to the right and did a whole evil Knievel tumble over. That sucks. I'm glad you're okay. I'm okay. I was very close. Yeah. My helmet was cracked up and I think I got a mild. The doctor said I had a mild concussion. So, How glad are you that you were smart enough for your helmet? A hundred percent. If you're coming to Chiang Mai and you do not wear a helmet, it is the craziest thing you could do. Like you are going to get in a bike accident. We call them tie tattoos. Mm-hmm. And everybody here has a tie tattoo, which is this burn on your leg when the thing falls over on you. So I earned mine last year. Oh, is, is, all right, you know, I think a lot of people just get that when they get off the bike on the wrong side or get on the wrong side. So uh, a travel tip, I guess, is if anyone rides a scooter or a motorbike, we're probably going to be wearing shorts because we're right. in Thailand. It's hot. Never get on or off the side with exhaust because it's hot. Right. Always get on and off the other side. And it'd be kind of it's kind of difficult to get it. You have to do something because the bike leans to the left because that's where the the um, uh, kickstand is. So if you're getting off the right side, you're going to have to struggle. So I imagine passengers might be more apt to do that. But yeah, it happens to a lot of passengers, or I guess I don't know. If you're just not paying attention, you just lean on it. That's how I got mine. I was in Kotal 
my first year. Hey, that's where I got mine. Yeah. Dude, there you go. So my first one. <laughs> and I, I was just hanging out, and I just, I happened to lean on it, and it doesn't even hurt in the beginning. You kind of just it feel. Doesn't. You're right. You're like, oh, it's probably fine. Right. Then you don't take care of it, and then the next and day, then, oh man, it gets really bad. Yeah. So if you do get one, make sure you put some burn ointment on it right. ASAP. Like go straight to the right. pharmacy, uh, wash it with some soap and water. Right. And then put some burn ointment some, on it ASAP. And some Neosporin. antibiotic. Yeah, yeah, Neosporin. Exactly. So that is the one thing that everyone needs to bring with them from yes, back home. You're right. Because it's like gold here and it's super expensive. I didn't even. That's exactly I don't think you could find it here. I've been looking for it. Well, they'll sell you a. Yeah, you can't just get regular Neosporin. They sell you a, a prescription brand in the pharmacy here. And it, doesn't, little, but it doesn't work as well. Oh, really? It's more expensive. Yeah. And it probably kills more bacteria. Yeah. But it doesn't heal. Ah, so okay. Neosporin, I guess, you know, they could be our sponsor today if you guys want. Yeah. <laughs> it's it, it actually heals the, the, the wound faster, right. which is surprising. And you got to keep that Band-Aid wrapped around it. Don't just let it open to the air because what will happen is it will kind of keep that cut from getting scabbed over so quick. Mm. And if it doesn't, it will heal quicker. Your skin will grow quicker. You know, so I have two, like, theories on that, right? One right. is, like, let it breathe. Let it and the breathe. other is to cover it up. I think the ideal would be some kind of balance where you don't want it to Right, be... let it dry out a little bit. Yeah. Then... But let's not talk about that. I think. <laughs> what do you guys think? How do you guys, you know, do this? Oh, we, we, we're talking about the podcast yeah. about how not to burn yourself in Chiang Mai. So um, the reason why I had you on is because you are one of the more successful people with Amazon FBA that yes, I've met. Right. And what's really cool is that you're very vocal about it and you help other people get started as well. Well, I, I, I'm so lucky to have been able to figure out how to get here. And so by being able to get here and, you know, change your life a whole lot, I just felt like people here needed ways to figure out how to stay here. And because, you know, the way in which I work too is, is that I want to make sure that, that I have multiple streams of income. So it wasn't just FBA and the ability to be able to share what I do with other people only gets me the opportunity to be able to, you know, sh get more information for myself because I think you shouldn't be single oriented in the amount of money or revenue that you have coming in because that's not what something may happen so you may have you have to have multiple sources of income even if the, you, you and i both have talked about it you know youtube makes me 20 bucks a month sometime i've got something on coal imports and i literally get 43 cent checks yeah. i'm like it costs more money you to send that than it does to <laughs> give it to me but at the end of the month you add that number up and you know because you're here if you make a hundred dollars on a product you paid half your rent yeah that's true so I am all about having multiple sources of income. And I like how you mentioned, like, you you yourself gain and grow your own businesses when you teach other people how to do it. A hundred percent. Like, I can't tell you the amount of people that I've met who may come to, I, I hold a meeting here. And so when I've held this meeting, um, I meet people who do other things. I mean, they're, they're doing SEO. They're doing YouTube. They're doing other things in the marketplace where I'll, I'll sit down with you. Like, I always have this open invitation. You ask me to go to lunch and you buy me lunch, I'll go anytime. I don't care. We'll go to two-hour lunch anytime in the afternoon. So they call me Pampui here. So, yeah. so <laughs> Which means, means what? Which means I'm chubby. I don't even know if that qualifies. But anyway, yeah, you take me to lunch. We'll talk about anything you want. So I took you to lunch today. And I was, like, I was like, you know what? Let me find out what... Like what this guy knows. Well, I, I don't know what I know. I just know how to get to here. And what, what, so what if I talk to people, I mean, every strategy is different and everybody has a different type of strategy. And it doesn't mean that any of them are right or wrong. The bottom line is you get to a place where money comes in and income comes in. So that, that to me is, you know, I, I don't say, hey, listen, what you do or what you do is wrong. This is just how I learned. And, and there's a process that I followed. And 
I've seen it work over and over again. So once I see it work, then I truly, I spent a year helping people for free and not doing anything because I need to kind of prove to myself that I could help other people. I could do it all day long. But if I can't give you a system or a way in which you can make money and do it on your own or have, you know, some information that does that, then I didn't feel like it was a viable thing that I was, that I should share with other people. So after a year and a half, you know, I feel confident that when I give people the strategy that I use, that I know that they can get into making some money. Now, I don't sell, I don't sell, hey, you're going to make $10,000 a month. That might happen a year from now. But if you're going to make $10,000 a month, it's not like you can go start with $100 and turn it into $10,000. You know what I mean? You pretty much need to be doing something illegal if you're taking 100 and turning it into 10000 or even 1000 into 10000 overnight. But how many businesses can you start for $1,000 or no money like the stuff that you do and turn it into thousands of dollars? If you put 1000 into a product and a year from now you make 10000 because you turn that 1000 into just a $500 a month product that you make 500 on, 500 times a year, you just took a thousand and turned it into $6,000. That's amazing. So, you know, it, obviously it's dependent upon the amount of investment you start with. But if you start out with a, an investment that is enough, you can kind of see that that will multiply better. And it, go ahead. I, I definitely agree with that. And I think even before we get to this part of it, I think a lot of people are going to be curious, like, well, how did you make your first thousand then? Like, where, okay. where did you, where did you start from? What's your kind of backstory? Well, um, so I had, I was in the restaurant and um, bar business for like 20 years and uh, very stressful. You work all the time. There's some amazing, exciting things that go on with that, you know, but at the end of the day, I was working 60, 70 hours a week and I was working for other people. And literally you kind of work your butt off and you're the boss and you do all that, but then people don't appreciate what you're going through. They just want their paycheck. You know, they can do whatever. And I, I mean, I appreciate all the great employees I had in my life, but at the end of the day, I didn't want employees. So after, I mean, it was 25 years of doing that, I said, I don't want to do this anymore. So I pretty much started planning my escape. And I would sit in my office in the back of the bar a year before we closed. And how can I make money online? And then eventually I run into living in Chiang Mai for $200 a month. That was my video? That was your video. That's crazy. It's like, there's so many people that come here. You know, so that was really my journey into Chiang Mai. I'm watching it. And, there you are, and you're like 200 bucks. And then I went and saw the $400 one or whatever the next one was. And then I'm like, well, I can do that. And so, and, and literally the greatest thing in the world I talked to you before, I live in a $240 a month, brand new 46 meter apartment. You know, I mean, modern. And that's, and that's awesome. And your income has grown a lot since like. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was able to, because it doesn't cost a tremendous amount to be here, you're able to save money all of the time. Like you can't, if you spent $2,000 a month here, you live like you're a rock star. You just can because you don't have to worry about what you eat, what you do. When I first got here, I was trying to figure out how long I could stay here. So I ate a lot of 50 cent meal or dollar meals, dollar 50 meals, because that's typically what a, a local restaurant will charge. So yeah, so I've been able to grow my business just really by being able to be away from the noise that goes on in regular life in America. I mean, there's just this distraction all the time. So I woke up one day and I kept looking and then I had to figure out how to make money online. So I did every silly thing you could do. I mean, I tried to sell t-shirts and I tried to build affiliate sites and, you know, um, and so ultimately what happened was I was, I was learning the process of doing affiliate, um, marketing on Amazon. And I knew that it was going to take me too long to be able to build that audience quick enough. I didn't know how to do Google AdWords. I wasn't familiar with that enough. So I was trying to find something that I could do. And my thought process at that time was that, hey, I knew all about the restaurant and, you know, bar business, but 
like I didn't know anything about any other business. So I thought that my skills wouldn't apply. And one of the things I found out was the best part of doing this is that my all my business skills applied to the business that I do now. You know, the funny thing about life is everything that we've ever done in the past that we think uh, was a waste of time, it applies. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree with that more. You're, you're right. And so yeah. the things that I did for promotional things for, you know, to get people to come and eat my magic hamburger or whatever it might have been, they applied. And so I was in the back and I was looking for products on Amazon. I had found some products that I was selling. I was um, in my affiliate stuff. The only thing that I was ever selling any success, and it wasn't tremendous success, but the first things I sold were cell phone covers. And so, but I was always trying to be imaginative. So I started doing Batman versus Wonder Woman and started doing these promotions and, and doing some Facebook marketing. And I remember the, I think I only sold one, John. I think I sold one of them, but it was the greatest thing that I'd ever done because I sold one. And that meant, you could actually, you know, I just needed to get better on how to do that. Well, when I started selling fields, I started seeing these. Well, let's talk about that. I think a lot of people don't realize, if, especially if you've never actually sold anything online, you never made that first dollar or a hundred dollars or whatever it is. It's it's a magical feeling. One of the coolest things that I've ever experienced in my life, like you go, oh my gosh, I mean, like I did a touchdown dance in my, you know, in my office in the back because I was like, I did this, I did this. And so, that's one of the number one things I would tell anybody who's ever going to try to do any of this is start. Start today where you at. You have enough skills to start. What do you got to do? Go out and do research and learn about it. And 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 I would tell you that what will, what will make you go the furthest is to some point find people who are doing it and copy what they're doing. Yeah, I, I actually, I, I really do think that like the path has been kind of paved yeah. for everyone. I think if you want to get started on something, just follow a path that you know it works and then once you are successful with it, then that's the time to th- kind of think outside the box and think, okay, how can I do this differently and make it better? Right. But I think when people try to do things differently and better before they even have the foundation, it's it's almost a recipe for disaster. Absolutely. Because you you don't know, if you've not done that business, you don't know what they're doing. And so when I was using a piece of software called Amosuite at the time to be able to find affiliates and... I was doing that. And as I was doing it, I started looking to FBA because people who were doing affiliate were doing FBA. And so anyway, I, I was selling, the only thing that I was even successful at was selling um, barbecue grill lights. And, you know, and I was selling this a little bit. I wasn't selling a lot, but it wasn't my product. I was affiliate selling. So, but the only ways I was seeing any money was these barbecue grill lights. Well, then one day I had this amazing idea. I was going to do FBA. So I went out and I bought a hundred lighted hats, like a, a baseball cap with you press a button and it's a light. And so I went out and put them on for sale. And then when I sold the first one of that, I did the touchdown again. Now I didn't sell a lot of those. I think I ended up getting them all back and giving 50 of them away to my friends and family. But the idea was that you could go out to your barbecue at night and you could turn the light on and you'd be able to do everything with a light, like kind of one of those lights, you know, you use to go uh, mining with, but it was on my baseball cap. So that's how I started an FBA. Um, and you know, since that point, I've launched probably about a dozen, maybe 10 products and you know, three or four of them were horrible. I, I, I was failure. Um, but one of the things I've learned about FBA is, is it's not typical for you to lose everything because what happens is you actually have a physical product. That physical product has value to something. And so people might liquidate you. But, but the thing I found on Amazon is if you'll lower the price low enough, there are people on Amazon, I don't care what you're selling, 
they will buy the lowest price item. So I, I've been able to help other people liquidate their products, even products that are like super competitive, like you know the, the famous ones, the barbecue gloves. Well, I figured out how to do it. Literally put the word clearance on it, sell it for the lowest price. And then lo and behold, 90 days later, you've run out of your inventory. Yeah. So I think a lot of people do have that worry that when they get into Amazon FBA, they have to spend a few thousand dollars in inventory up front. They physically have the item. So kind of like if you fail with your dropshipping store, and you don't sell anything, it doesn't matter because you never actually had the inventory up front. Uh, so the risks there are mainly just, you know, like, you know, setting up your site, which is pretty much a domain and a website, right. maybe a logo. So, you know, a couple hundred bucks, right? right? With Amazon FP, I think a lot of people are worried because they're like, okay, well, if I spend, you know, three, four, five thousand in inventory and then nobody buys it, I'm stuck with this inventory. And not only do I have $5,000, you know, in products that nobody wants to buy, but then... I also have to pay like these monthly fees of storing it. But I think that's a really good point that you brought up that, you know, even if, if you just want to get your money back, you can just almost kind of like 99 cent store clearance it, liquidate yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I had a, uh, one of my partners now actually, how he got to me was he had, he had went through the $6,000 course that was being sold. ASM was being sold several years ago and I actually quit. But so he had paid his $5,000 to be a part of this course. He followed their stuff. And they're basically, their plan was go find the most popular product, go buy it and throw it up. Now that may have worked five years ago. The problem is now the market is just in those type of products and the ability to be able to compete with them is different. But he had 400 measuring spoons. And so at this point, so he's a year in, he's not got any of his money out. Literally, we lowered the price, did the same things, changed some keywords. And in 90 days, he's out. And he got all his money back to be able to go find something else. Now, I also don't suggest that if you've got $5,000 for you to go throw $5,000 at something either. I really believe in starting super small because the number one thing that we're all trying to get is we're not really trying to be millionaires. We're trying to create a lifestyle that's different for us that has uh, the ability for us to actually live better than maybe what we make, you know, to be able to be in places that are great i mean the ability to be able to go out and spend three days and not even look at your business possibly so that's so that risk is there but the other thing is is that's actually a value it actually you know so when you sell an amazon business you sell you know future profits but you also sell your inventory at what you got on it. they buy all your inventory so at the end of the day yes can you get stuck but you're not going to lose everything so i would say the ideal number for people to get started in fba if you're in the smalls you can get started for a thousand bucks i have people that i've worked with that started up 350 400 and then within six months they're selling five or six thousand dollars worth of inventory but do you think that if someone has a little bit more leeway. So let's say they have, you know, five thousand or ten thousand dollars. Right. Do you think they have a better chance of getting into a, either a better product or being able to succeed uh, more, like more if they in whatever product they get into? Well, I still don't suggest that people go in all in. I really try to do what I call test product tests. So I want to be able to. So if you had five thousand, I'd say, look, let's do three products or two products at two thousand and do maybe a thousand or two thousand and whatever because. It's really the same process. Um, I'm, I'm one of the people that suggests if you're going to pick a product on Amazon, that you don't pick a product that has more than 150 competitors in it. What happens is people look at these products and they're like, oh, this thing's amazing. There's, you know, people are selling them all over the place. But the fact that you could probably even rank that product, I mean, so I have some friends here who are super successful sellers here and they only have one or two products. Mm -hmm. I, I have a friend here who's on the front page of Maca Powder which is a super successful product, but there's 500, 600 people selling it. He's on the front page. But to get to the front page, 
he's spending $8,000 every two weeks in pay-per-click money. Now, he makes $100, $200 a day doing it, but he's spending six, so he's marketing. And, and if I told you any business that you're ever going to do, whether it's dropshipping or it's FBA or it's SEO, you better be able to market yourself and you better always plan that if you got 10, you better spend three on marketing. Like if you forget the marketing end of any business, you are going to lose most of the time. So. Yeah, that actually makes sense. I think a lot of people like Amazon because they think, you know, once they can get to that front first page that they ne- never have to market again, they never have to spend any money on ads. But that's not true, right? It's absolutely not true. Um because what's happening is everybody else who's so let's assume somebody's doing thirty thousand dollars a month or fifty thousand dollars a month in their product. Well, to stay on that front page, they're having to do giveaways. They're having to do things to constantly keep that up because there may not be enough natural sales that they only could do twenty without doing the forty extra day that they would do with Amazon pay per click. Now, one of the things about and people may not know that Amazon allows you to do this, but Amazon basically will allow you to be on the front page from day one. That's the real magic of it is you don't have to rank up there. You can buy that space. And just like Amazon, or I mean, just like Google, it's an AdWords. It works in the same process. Um, it's a little more rudimentary, which is really real good because if you use certain techniques, you can raise your rank quicker. But the reality is day one, when you launch your product, you can be on page one. Now, if you pick the right product, the, the difference is if you pick the right product, hopefully your bid on clicks is low enough that you can turn that profit like my, my buddy does. Okay. Yeah, that actually makes absolute sense. And from my point of view, I actually like spending money on ads because those are all reward miles that I get on my, on my credit card. Like, let lets me fly business class when I come to Thailand. Right. <laughs> I wish they do that on Amazon. Well, I guess if you're putting it on your card, I guess, yeah, I didn't even think about that. But Amazon pulls it out of your account directly. So your sales come in, they just pull it out to your payout every two weeks. So even with Amazon ads, you can't put the Amazon ads on a card? You know what? I've never never even tried that. I mean, we need to look. I need to look at that today. Actually, I need to look at that today. I didn't even, I didn't even put that through the process. There. I think that'd be fun. See, yeah. Guess what? That's why you go sit down with people because you learn things. Only six, eight months ago, less than six months ago, I learned that you could sell your Amazon business. Now I had sold a couple of them, but I sold them for cheap. I'd be in them for three, four months. Hey, give me $5,000. You can, you know, you can take my product over. I thought that was a good deal. They're paying 20 to 25 times your monthly sales on Amazon for your business right now. I think this is one of the reasons why I like talking to people that do all sorts of businesses. And this is why I like Chiang Mai so much and I like going to lunch with people is because if someone is successful in their business model, regardless if it's Amazon, dropshipping, you know, Kindle publishing, right. you know, really anything in the world, you can learn something from them. Uh, I went out to lunch with these two girls who are doing a startup. So really nothing to do with you know what I'm doing. And they just insisted on taking me to lunch. And I was like, you know, sure, if you want. And they were asking me about like marketing and, you know, uh, trying to basically hone in on what they want to do. And I realized, and I was, and I realized, I was like, you know, what? even though I don't know anything about s- startups, I was like, I know what customers want. I know what people use. And then I was actually able to give them some good advice. Right. I meet with people all the time who aren't in the Amazon business and literally the biggest hurdle that I think most people have in any business is starting. They're just afraid to start. They're just afraid to open that door and do it. And Steve Harvey has this whole speech you may have heard online where he talks about, you just got to jump, jump off the cliff. And I promise you that your shoot will open at some point. It may be a millimeter before you get killed, but it will open. And even if you hit the ground, 
You just got to get back up and try it again because failure is absolutely part of being successful. Nobody that you've ever met in their life was successful from day one. It just doesn't work that way. I think what I like about the the business shoot is that we're not actually going to die every fall. Right. Yeah. And it's almost one of those things where, yeah, you, you are taking a risk and it's scary. You are jumping. Uh, but it's, I think Mark Cuban said this. He said, you know, that business is one of those sports where it doesn't matter how many shots you miss, as long as you like you get in the hoop for that last one, right. you're a superstar. I'll bet you if I've started 50 businesses in my life, four of them have been successful. I mean, it's that percentage of me trial and error and learning through the process. But when those ones are successful, it's like you've won the lottery. The money comes flying out of the air and you'll be shocked. Like, I can't believe that happened. Well, all of those things that you failed at, helped you quit doing the wrong thing over and over again. I literally have lost it all three, four times, meaning from lots of money to zero money and figured it back out again because I'd learned skills that worked. Do you mind kind of expanding a little bit on that? I think, I think that's very interesting to people. And you don't have to go too much into it, but like what are, like, what are some of the lessons you learned from, from that experience? Well, one of those big lessons is, is people don't a lot of times root for your success. So as you're falling down, you know, you're trying to grasp on everything. Only thing I can tell you this is that there are times I knew that it was done, but I kept thinking I could pull off. And so maybe I stayed in too long, whereas if I'd have pulled the plug and said, okay, you know what? This isn't working. But I can tell you this, that in my life, I got better at that. Like I, I could go down a road and, and most of the time we spend time. It's an investment of time. It sometimes isn't money. It's our time that we chase a product that at some point you go, you know what? This isn't going to work. But your ego says, well, I've spent the last six months working on this. And that's what I did when I started the business here. I was constantly trying things. And I would remember I would get so upset that I just spent the last two months. And now, oh, my gosh, my money's going away. The money that I'd saved to start these businesses, all of a sudden, I was living off of it. But I was, I knew at that point, oh, my gosh, I'm unsuccessful. Um, so I, I would definitely take that into account. Yeah, I, I think that, that makes a lot of sense, just knowing when to pull out. And I think that's why... It, I think whenever someone starts any business, they should give themselves kind of like a time goal, you know, whether it's, you know, a two, you know, say three months or six months or a year and say, I should be at this point within this amount of time. And if I'm not there, I have to really reevaluate if this is something I want to start, you know, continuing. Right. And the other thing was, is I knew that you just, if you could, if you had enough of it to go back in the fire, you just got to go, okay, I've hit the ground. How can I reevaluate? And the thing there is, is, I don't care what you do at that point, but start to do something. Like, I don't care if it's the opposite direction. Sometimes you may have to go get a job, but always keep in mind what that thing is so that you can get back to where you're going. And it's so much easier to get started the second time than it is the first time because you did fall. You fell on the ground, you're, 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 you're whatever, and you thought you were going to die, and you don't die. And we just, you just said that. Like, you don't die. You hit the ground, and you're not dead, and you just stand back up, and you go, okay, you brush it off. It's just money. At the end of the day, what did you lose? You didn't. If you don't lose your health, you don't lose your deal. You know other things. Then it's really a valuable lesson that you can take. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you might lose. Yeah, you, you might lose some time, but I don't think it's losing time. I think it's gaining experience. If you get your ego out of the way, that you. I mean, so when you go into anything, you know that in your life you are absolutely gonna fail. 
But success is made from repetitive action. You find things that are successful and you repeat them over and over again. Michael Jordan became a great basketball player because he'd shoot 15,000 shots a day. He just kept showing up. And if you keep showing up and you keep learning even little amounts, you don't like the problem is I think people break down what they have to learn over a long period of time. Like they have to learn it all at one time. No, you start small. And that's why I talk about what I call the magic three. And the magic three are you need to absolutely be doing the next three steps. Because if you're doing step eight, so in in, in Amazon per se, if you're worried about how you're going to ship a product from China and you don't have a product, there's a hundred percent sure that you're never going to get to the point where you do because you're not doing the first thing, which is to find a product. So that's one of the things that I learned over my deal. So when I would fail, I knew that I just had to start again and go through step one. And when I got step one completed, I would then go through step two. So I always try in any given day that I would wake up, I knew if I got these three things done. And if I got them done in an hour, I might try to do something else, but I would walk away and then set my goals for the next day. But what happens, I think people get into this five-year term. And I, I mean, all our lives, we you know listen to these entrepreneurs, we'll set a five-year plan, whatever. I appreciate that. But how much in this market is your life going to change in the next five years? Now, I, I mean, I think you should have an overall goal, but I think the biggest goal is, is what am I doing today? Because today is the only day you have, and you're going to be discouraged by your family. But the, the deal is, is they don't understand the opportunity that you have in front of you. They don't have a mindset to be able to do that. You are special. If you're even considering coming to Thailand, you have something special about you that's unique, that gives you, I guess the right words, it gives you the kahungas kind of thing, you know what I mean? Like, Or it gives you the guts to be able to like jump in and do it. So if you'll come here, don't be afraid to start a business because you got it. Yeah, you're already halfway there. Yeah. yeah. like you. I, I think that was why my only two requirements for me, me choosing those 10 uh, partners to start a dropshipping store right. was they had to have had some kind of success with dropshipping already because I, I didn't want to teach people from the start. Right. And then second, they had to physically come to Thailand. And I knew that just by those two things, I knew they were going to be good. Absolutely. And I'll get into there too because again, they got started. They, they jumped on a plane. And I imagine if I talked to a hundred different people who have come or moved anywhere in the world, that the hardest thing to do was to buy that ticket. Once you buy that ticket, so tomorrow you want to come to Thailand, I don't care what you do, go get a ticket, spend the thousand dollars, and I promise you, you'll figure out how to get here. Things will open up, things will happen that you can't even possibly imagine because you've made the ticket purchase. When I when I first decided to make that move to Thailand, I was going to give myself, I think it was like six or 12 months to get my life together, sell my stuff and like, um, you know, get my visas, do, you know, do all the stuff you right, need to do. Right? right. And then I randomly decided one day, I think I was so stressed from everyone giving me 20 reasons why I shouldn't right. come or 20 excuses. I just said, you know what, let me just buy, let me just buy a ticket now. So I went on and I bought a ticket for like two weeks later. I was like, all right, well now I got to do it. Right. And I wrote about this detail in, in 12 weeks of Thailand, which is my first book. But basically, from what I can remember, trying to think back, it, I had like two cars that I had to sell. I had a house full of furniture, yeah. kitchens, t- kitchen appliances up the wazoo, right. a couch, a bed, you know, just all the stuff. I had like, I mean, I had, you know, I had a whole life. Yeah. And I figured it out in two weeks. I did the same thing with cars. I mean, I'm a week before I'm going and I've got two cars and I, I had them up on Craigslist for weeks. And lo and behold, man. Boom, both of them sell. 
like immediately. I mean, I have rental property over there. I had I had two of my places that weren't rented. So I had to like find renters for them and do those things. And I think sometimes when people hear that I had some other income and I had some things and I'd sold my business that that somehow you have to have all this money to go here. I came here with the mindset that whatever money I had was going to keep me here. I didn't come here and live I live the same way a guy shows up with a thousand dollars. Like last time, I'm telling you, the biggest struggle I had was I didn't eat great food last time. People thought the greatest food in the world is in Chiang Mai. I, was like, I didn't eat it. I didn't find it. Uh, but I, you know, I lost 15 kilos while I was here because I wasn't, I was eating this food that I, and street food is great. It just got to find the right places. And because that's one of those things, when I came back this time after going home for the summer, man, I knew the place to go. I rolled off the plane. And so it gets easier, I'm sure, as you have found, as you go away and you come back. And your life just picks right back up. I, I like it. And the cool thing, I, I think we mentioned this so many times, is no matter how much your money you're making in Chiang Mai or how much income you have, how much money you have in the bank, everybody lives kind of like on a pretty you're low right. budget. Yeah, you're right. I, I didn't think about that tonight, but like there's nobody rolling around here, you know, uh, driving Mercedes Benz who are nomad. They're just not like, you know what I mean? No one's, I mean, the most expensive place I think you can get is $25,000 for an apartment kind of thing, which is $600, $700 a month. You know, we all were paying a thousand and fifteen hundred dollars a month where we're at. So you could live in a super nice place. I just suggest you don't because what you got to figure out is how can I stay here? How can I stay here the longest? So whether you got a thousand dollars or 50,000 or a hundred thousand dollars to come here and make this move, Come here and live like the other people living here. So I'm curious. So now I'm assuming, you know, you have a six-figure income. What are you actually spending per month living in Chiang Mai? So I did my budget the other day, and I'm like, how how much am I actually living on? And I thought I was living on less than I was. But I'm probably living, I set it at 100,000 baht a month, which is what, 3,500? Oh, you're spending 3,500? Well, I mean, it's a hundred thousand is my top end okay. if I wanted to. Now, the reality is, I, I didn't say I, I meant to say that opposite. I was living for about half of what I thought I would oh, okay. spend. So I'm so probably you had spend, budgeted three thousand, right? I had budgeted three thousand dollars because you know it was costing me four or five to live in America, depending on where I was doing, and and I'd always spent that money in the business. So realistically, I live for fifty thousand, but I live well. Like okay. I don't, I don't eat thirty five bot meals now. So, so tell me about your expenses. Like, what are you spending on your combination your bills like food. <laughs> like it's ridiculous okay go so i, I spend 240 dollars on my apartment um i spend well i made a deal with my apartment guy for my motorbike this time but typically you're going to spend 2500 to 3000 which is 70 to 100 dollars a month on your motorbike um i figure another or you just buy it and then sell it right, for the same right, amount right. five months later I, to me a lot of times yeah, people do that. And my deal is, is, you know what? I don't like to own stuff anymore. I'd rather rent it and know what my cost is and not have to worry about it breaking down, not having to worry to sell it if I was leaving or whatever. So just plan on 75 bucks. You can really search. You can, you can find a bike for 75 bucks a month. You're going to spend another 25 or 30 bucks a month in gas. I have 16 gigabytes of data on my cell phone. It's like $35. It's almost ridiculous. And that's 4G. Yeah, that's 4G at 16 gigs. Like, you know, you, you have can't, to be, you can't get that back. Right? Yeah, you cannot get it. So that your phone's that. Um, my, I'll tell you what, I, I told you that my electricity bill was high last month. <laughs> like, I was actually shocked because my electricity bill was like $150 last Which month. Which is way more than mine. I think way mine more. is like 30 bucks. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it should be that. Like, first of all, my landlord's 
my great cheap rent deal probably is adjusted by that. Now, I do know people in the place that are 30 bucks a month. I think it's the location of my place. So there's a good tip. Wherever you're at in a building, make sure that you're not on the side where the hot sun's at all day. So really think about which side of a building you're on because it will affect the amount of money that, that you're spending. That definitely makes sense. But I also do like lots of natural lighting. So it's kind of, it, it is a trade-off. Right. So I've got windows. And so I had the windows, you know, with the sunlight coming in and I had a lot of those things. And, you know, I was working. So I don't, I don't go and work out at a space like you do. I don't go and like, I don't have a working space. I work in my room. Um, so I have a big enough place that I have a table and I'm able to put my uh, little YouTube studio in there. So I'm able to work out of my room um, as if it's an office. So that helps out. So that, that really offsets you know, the money that I'd spent, but you know, I'm in there and I'm sitting there at 22 degrees, you know, all day or, you know, 22 Celsius, you know, so 70 degrees like you would at home. So a little different. So what else do I have? I can pay all my bills for $600 a month. I can live without any extras. Now I'm traveling and I'm doing stuff and I take people out to eat and I'm not, you know, I, I, because of that, I'm not a spendthrifty. So reality I think you can really live here for $1,200 a month if you're not doing But I'm flying, I'm traveling, and I'm doing stuff. So that's my budget, you know. That, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think because when, when at first you said you were spending, you know, three grand or even when you said half of that, even I was like, well, I was like what are you actually spending that on? Because it's... Right. It's more travel and doing okay. stuff and, and, and just doing what I want. And, and But I'm also helping people here. And so sometimes, like, I never, ever make people, like, you buy my lunch. But, like, if I go out, I tell people they're going to pay 99%. If they tell me that they're just starting their business, I'm never making them pay. What's funny is I clearly said I'm taking lunch. And you still came up to the register with your wallet out. And I was like, no. I was like, I told you I got this. Well, I mean, and but I, I just feel like if you just got here and you got, you know, you got a 1000 bucks in your pocket, I've been able to be successful enough that I don't have to do that. So, Yeah. So I would realistically say I'm probably spending on an average month $1,500, really, as American, if I don't travel. But that's being able to go out to eat twice, three times a day. That's being able to date a girl and go out three or four times a week and go do stuff. So, y'all, well, I, I didn't figure that factor in. I don't care where you're at. If you have a girlfriend and you're going out, like, you're spending you're more money. So double. The, right. So that's what I'm saying. Like, I, w- I budgeted in 10000 yeah. bought a month to have a girlfriend or 15000 to have a girlfriend that I care about. And we go to movies. And, and then when you're going out to eat, you're doubling every time. So instead of spending this and, you know, if, like, we were out at the um, Indian restaurant at the same time, you know, you're going to spend $30, $25 at a place if you're eating with two people and... But you can also go find a cheaper one where I go spend $8 on the other side of town. So we went to a nice one, but you can spend money, have a drink. And it also kind of gives you an excuse to go to nicer places. Yeah. Like, because I'm single now, I'm just eating, you know, like whatever I want to eat. Just like normal Thai food, right? Yeah. But it was funny because um, I saw that there's a restaurant called Rustic and Blue. It's a farm to table restaurant. Uh, a little bit more expensive, but like really nice place. And they have these like farm dinners where they, they actually take you out to their farm they set up this beautiful, like, um, I don't know, outdoor dining experience. And there's, you know, probably like 30 people, live music. Um, it almost looks like a wedding, like an outdoor wedding. Really? Yeah. And imagine like a hipster wedding, right? Okay. With, uh, and there's open bar and it's 1,500 baht, which is like $45. I don't believe it. Really? But it's awesome food. It's like a five course meal, open bar, live music. And I was like, oh, yeah, I would love to go to this. But then I was like, well, I was like, ah, I'm, I'm just going to skip it because, you know, as a single guy, I'm like, what am I going to do there? But when you when I have a girlfriend, I'm like, yeah, I want to do that. Or 
on the weekend, I want to go stay at like a really nice hotel up in Pi or something. Right. Uh, so whenever I'm dating someone, my budget, it, it literally doubles, not just because I'm paying, like, like even if the girl uh, ends up paying for a lot of stuff, right. you just end up doing cooler stuff. Absolutely. You want to do, because you've got a companion, you know, someone that you're companion with. So yeah, I guess I didn't even think about that. Where a large portion of my money goes is in your girl, you know, so you know, yeah, you're definitely going out and doing stuff. And, you know, that's just part of it. I mean, but if you were dating a girl in America, you're still spending double that. I mean, you can go out to dinner in America, have some drinks, and you're going to spend 75 to to $100. You can probably have the... I, I can tell you this. I've been out with a girl, started out 5 o'clock with happy hour, had happy hour, had drinks, and go out, dance, and drink, do all that stuff, and I've spent $45, $50 for a whole night. You know, so yeah, I mean, the value in Thailand is so much better in, in every aspect, and, and, and arguably, it's more fun here too. Oh, well, yeah, because, but I can tell you this: there's a certainly like it's fun, but it's like this controlled fun. I don't know how to explain it to people, but it's controlled. You know, they're shutting the bars down at twelve o'clock here. Um, you know, actually, which as, I like, right? I, I, I tell people is is that if I was an owner, I know this in the nightclub business: every bad thing that ever happened in nightclub happens after twelve o'clock. So like yeah. your mama said, none like good happens said. after right, midnight. Right, right. So yeah, I think uh, I'm living different this year than I did last year. So I set a budget when I come back and said, and then I got here and instead of going and getting the $25,000 a month apartment. I, 5,000 baht, by the way. Yes, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, there's no 25,000. <laughs> you can live in the palace if you <laughs> had that kind of money. But uh, yeah, I, we get used to talking here. But 25,000 baht a month, I was going and looking at that. And then- why do I need that? And so I, we talked about that a little bit ago, which is live the lifestyle that's lived here. And so I went back to my original deal. So, you know, I'm still probably not living as light as I should or I did last year. I mean, last year, I, I know I lived for $1,000 a month, $1,200 in, in American money. Um, I'm, I'm a, uh, yeah. But I'm I think a, the nice thing about that is we have the option. Right. If you need to. So if you need a bootstrap, you know, or... Like your friends are moving out or you have even right. employees are moving out and they need to bootstrap, they can. And then if if you want to be a little bit more comfortable and you want to stay in a place that's 25,000 baht, which is, you know, 800 bucks a month right. and have a big place with a maid and like right. a pool and a nice gym, you can as well. Okay. So, so to say that, like, so at my place, which is great, I told you that they deliver coffee to my room. I call them down. They bring coffee up to my room. You know, my laundry's done. I can't put enough stuff in my laundry that she'll charge me more than nine bucks. Like every, and, and I've come back and forth twice. So I have a lot of stuff here. I bought stuff and then went home and brought more stuff back because I really don't have anything left in America. But, you know, for $9, she'll do all my laundry, fold it, put it on clothes and now bring it back to my room. So she hands it to me and I go hang it up. So. Yeah, that, that's nice. I think the only thing I missed about living in Vietnam, have, have you been out there to say yes, on? Is the magic elves that do your laundry for you. Everywhere that you stay in Vietnam, right. for whatever reason, right. they just go through your hamper and do your laundry every single day. Yes, set it back up there. And, it, and it's always included. It's weird. It's, right. like, it's, it's almost like it's expected. Yeah, I don't know completely what you're talking about. Yeah, it is unexpected, but... Every culture has their own little benefits to doing it, you know, and uh, that's... I, I wonder if when, like, Vietnamese people travel to, like, the U.S. for the first time, and they just, like, throw the dirty lawn, you know, like, um, clothes on the ground at a hotel, and then when they come back, they're like, what is this? Like, you know, oh, mom, I that was my clothes. Right, why did you touch them? <laughs> like, well, why, is it not, why, is it, why is it not washed and hung up? <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Um, here's a tip. 
if you're going to be here and you're trying to live on that budget, don't drink <laughs> or go buy <laughs> go buy your alcohol at the snow store. Don't go out to bars because it can become expensive, uh, depending on where you're drinking. Just like in America, go to find a place that has a happy hour, some places selling drinks or whatever. Because if you're going out and you're drinking, it is very similar to American prices. Not quite there, but I would say, what would you say, 70%? Yeah, I think it depends a lot on what you drink. If you drink cocktails, it's they're pretty expensive. Yeah. They're like, what, $5 a cocktail sometimes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beer's a lot cheaper. It's kind of like it's always happy hour. It's always two bucks, maybe three bucks. Right. But if you compare that to the cost of food, oh, yeah, that yeah. is like two meals. And I think that the people end up spending too much on alcohol because they're like, oh, well, it's still cheap. So they they drink like they would back home. Right. And all of a sudden, their budget is just diminished. Yeah. I mean, and so the money that I spend now before I was budgeted 300, I mean, $300 a month. So about. Eight, uh, you know, so ten dollars a day was typically what I tried to spend less, and I wasn't happy with that. Like I just, you know, be honest with anybody in the world, I wasn't happy with that. And but you had to do it right to, to get by. Or well, like, I, well, well, like, what was the reason you did that? Oh, I did it because I was trying to figure out how I could stay here long term. I wanted whatever money I had, I wanted to make sure that I could keep it. And so I'm at this point where I don't, I, I know I could live here for five years at the current level that I have without even. If I made no more money as of today, they couldn't make me go away with my money, or at least from Asia. I, I know what you mean. I, th- I think so. When I first wanted to to get that legendary one million Thai bot in the bank account, yeah, it was because I had calculated if all my income sources dried up, how long can I live in Thailand on my current budget and continue to you know just survive and figure something out. And I and I knew that if I had a million Thai bot, I could stay here for like three years and right. Just you know, I didn't even, and just figure it out. I I remember when I put when I have the million Thai bot. It's like the coolest thing ever. You're not a millionaire like you're in America, but it's a it million. feels like it. It does. It gives you that same amount of freedom. I think. Yeah, it absolutely does. Um, and then, well, and, and what happens is, is when you get some money, your wallet opens a little more. And and, and like I said. You know, I, but also before I got here, I was living on nothing because I was trying to figure out how to have money to start a business. Now, that's one of the reasons why I save and I try to live reasonable. But this time I said, you know what? Spending $1,500, $2,000 a month isn't like, it's not that much money in reference to the income that I make or where I come from. Like I said, last time I lived for probably 1200 easily. So when you first got to Thailand, what was, did you go straight into FBA or how, how did this all start? I was in FBA for a year and a half before I got started. So I was already doing what I did. And I, I came here and really the first four months, I was a tourist. I didn't meet anybody. I didn't do anything. I just toured, toured, toured. I went everywhere in Thailand and did everything I wanted to do. What was, what was probably the best experience of all that? I had f- like about three weeks in the islands in Koh Tao, Koh Samui, and Koh Penang. I went to my first... Um, full moon party i mean i i was a tourist and i just did everything you could possibly imagine and had probably the greatest 90 days 120 days of my life but i got here and i was kind of celebrating that i had gotten here um but i remember i spent 21 days in kosamui um at not not like four star hotels but i probably went there and spent with me and another girl i spent about 1800 dollars for three weeks and and some of the most beautiful places in the world. And, you know, and so to be able to do that, you think you can't take a vacation anywhere for three, three weeks and then travel around and boats and flights and trains and 
But, oh, here's the coolest thing. The coolest moment in the entire time I've been here. So I got stuck in um, Kotao, and I missed the boat. Or, no, the boat was sold out the next morning. And so my girlfriend at the time, she says, you wait here. And she goes down to the front desk, and she's talking. And she comes back, and she goes, get your stuff ready. We got to go. I'm like, what happened? They told me there was no boats. Well, there was no boats except this overnight 10-hour journey across the entire Gulf of Thailand. And they didn't have stuff inside. So I literally slept on the back deck of the boat. So, I mean, we're trudging along, you know, you know, this kind of old, it sounds like a, you know, a Chevy truck engine in the back of it. And there's, I mean, it's all got cargo in the bottom, but they have this little cabin up top where people sleep on mats and they're all lined up there's like 50 people lined up i've slept in that actually okay. been gone so you know so i slept i didn't have any of theirs so i'm on the back deck open air basically but at first I went oh gosh this is horrible and then my mind went this is what you signed up for this is why you came here to have this experience and i, I slept for seven hours in the back of that one i wasn't drunk or anything i just slept on it because i felt greater about my life at that moment because i was as far away from where I was that I could ever be. If I'd have fell off that boat, they'd have thought I was like disappeared from the earth. The aliens came and got me because no one would have known. Wow. I'm wondering how many people right now are thinking like, I wish I could get out of the US with all the things that are going on. Oh, I'm sure they're lined up, but they keep saying they are. And can I tell you, when you're this far away, it doesn't touch you in the way in which you would like, you're so you're so out of whack because you're typically not watching TV here. Like you're not seeing newspapers. So like you are absolutely insulated from that. Like real deal. There is an absolute separation. 10,000 miles will get you away from your friends who are problems. It'll get you away from family members that are giving you grief, all those people. Because the other thing is the time change creates such a difference. You only have about two or three hours in the morning, two or three hours at night. You can actually talk to people because they're sleeping or you're sleeping. I mean, you can't call your mom at one in the afternoon here. She's in bed, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. So I, I, I just wrote a blog post on johnnyfd.com that talked about how life in Chiang Mai as a digital nomad is going on. Uh, despite of the elections and despite of the new president and everything that's going on. And, and basically the post is of me fishing and saying, basically saying like, life here is literally just going on. Like on, on election day, as I, I was out fishing, I wasn't on my phone. I like didn't even really knew, like I, I didn't even know what was going on until I, the next day I was at the coring space and I'm working on my business, doing my own thing. And then someone's like, oh, you know, I think Trump won. I was like, oh, okay, cool. And that was it. Like, no riots here. Nobody's freaking out. You know, we, you know, at dinner, we have like some pretty logical conversations with people from all around the world. And it's funny that non-Americans here actually follow the elections way more than we do. You are right. That's kind of a funny thing that I noticed too. Like, I mean, they're talking about it and I don't care. I, and it's not that I don't care. I'm just so far insulated from it that, you know, I, I mean, it didn't matter to me because you know what? I'm not there and I, I'm doing some things. And, and that's sort of the difference between Thai people and American people. Like, you know, they were having problems a couple of years ago and these people just went on. Oh, let's just go. And they just move forward. Something bad happens. They go to the, they go to the temple and they get some lucky blessing and they're happy. They just, you know, they're in the moment. They are absolutely Thai people are in the moment they're in. And, and I've really learned that in my life by being here, which is, What's going on right now at this second? Are you in danger? Is anything wrong? So you lose this anxiety about the future and you just live in the moment you're in. So one thing that you're doing right now that I really, really like is you are putting, you put, you put together a group in Chiang Mai 
where you guys are creating a Amazon product together, yeah, but for charity. Yeah. So I've got well, we started getting so like when I left before we started um, doing Amazon FBA meetups, and then you know it grew, and people are excited about this right now because it is a great opportunity to start a business. Um, and so the difference between the Amazon stuff is that you basically have an unlimited supply of your product. That's really the difference between the other things. It's you have unlimited supply of that product. Um, so this group that we did, we started just, I helped people. We did some people launch products. And when I came back, I started doing it. Well, I saw an immediate difference and in the interest in Amazon FBA. So I'm getting about 60 to 70. Sometimes people come to hear about Amazon FBA. And then I thought, Everybody's like afraid to start whenever. So how about this? How about we get together? I'll actually walk through launching a product from start to finish. Let's look for a product. I'll show you how to look for a product. Let's figure out how we source it. Here's how you send an email to the Chinese. Here's all these things that you do and you're sharing it. So then I, I did a project last year, super successful actually. We had 10 people and they all put in $250. But the problem was people are motivated by money and you can't get 10 people to make a money decision ever. And so anyway, so I was thinking, people are like, well, hey, can we do a group project like you did before? And I'm like, I don't know that I really want to do that. So what I said was, is how about this? We'll take the money aspect out of it. So there's a school up in Kinjuam, and it's uh, village kids who come down to a friends of mine, um, I guess the right word, like... Uh, they just basically stay at his place and then they go to school in the local school. So they stay there until it's school's not out and then they go back to the village. Well, I, I went last year and I spent Christmas with them and I was just like, how about this? How about we do this project? Everybody put in a hundred dollars. And so there's about 38 people right now. They're going to do it. So, you know, it's amazing. And we're going to put, we're putting it online and we're doing those things. So if, even if you're interested from seeing this stuff apart, the Chiang Mai Amazon sellers, we'd probably let you come in there. And if you don't put money in, I'm not discluding people. If you want to learn, man, we'll help you learn. But so at the end of the day, hopefully we can sell a product that then will benefit the kids there. I think that's cool. I think you might know, notice is there's a lot of there's a lot of things like this in Chiang Mai for like the local nomad community that we would never be able to do just online for everyone. And I think one of the reasons why people do it is because it feels like everyone here is kind of like a family. Absolutely. Yeah. I am part of a family. And I know I know that this will be this will be a place no matter where I go ever in my life that I will always want to return. And I think one of the things that, that made me want to do this is that we all have this sense of obligation to Thailand because like we respect this place. You know, you know, you see sometimes we see some kids coming here from other countries and you can tell they're just here for the week and they don't dress appropriately and they don't do things. But literally, I have such tremendous respect for the people that I feel like I got to do something. I got to be respectful of what they do. So that's kind of how we've ended up there. I like it. I mean, I so I think for me, like the reason why I'm so like, for example, every Friday I host a Nomad Coffee Club and it's always been free. I'm, it, people have said, you know, why don't you charge for it? Because people will, will pay for it. Absolutely. You know, but I'm like, you know what? I I want it to be free because it's a way where I want to help people who are just arriving in Chiang Mai be able to meet other nomads that they can become friends with, they can network with, and they can learn something. Uh, I don't believe in working for free. I'm not going to, you know, dedicate 80 hours of my life to helping other people that could either just pay for it or could, you know, or probably wouldn't appreciate it. I think that's the biggest part of it. It's not about the money. It's I know when people don't pay for something, they, they don't appreciate it. And I think that's why, like online, if you if I you just try to do everything for people, 
Like a lot of times people just gather information. There's like, oh, let's gather some more and we gather some more. They don't take the action. So that's why I do like, you know, things like paid courses or like paid coaching when they're spending money and they're like, okay, well, I've spent now this money. I should fucking do something about it. No, that's the whole deal. Like, listen, I don't care what you're doing. You need to find people, as we talked about, who are doing this. And if you can find mentors. Now, if you're going to look at a course, you're going to look at anything, spend the time and do the investigation in there and make sure that it matches your needs. Make sure that it's going to give you what you want. But you should constantly be looking at stuff. If you can find something that's $7 online or a $2 thing on Click, you know, on ClickBank, get it and read it. You're going to learn something. And if it's a small amount of money, you know, get knowledge. Get knowledge. Learn how to be that person that's here. You know, watch videos. I mean, there's probably 200 people doing videos now from Chiang Mai. Everyone's got a travel blog. Go read the information. Go read what Johnny has to say. You know, um, I think that's what will help you be successful in getting here. Yeah, I definitely think in the beginning it's good to have some information. I think so. Like my goal, at least with the Nomad Coffee Club, isn't necessarily to teach someone like something A to Z. It's more like this is how you're going to get started. This is how you're going to meet the right people that you can learn from. And then I feel like I've done my part. Like, I think right. that's what I'm good at. It's kind of just introducing people to the right, you know, people to be friends with or network with or learn from and then give them a path. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, one of the great things I did before I got here, I knew a dozen people. I had talked to five or six people and Skype with them before I arrived here. You know, so when I got here, I was, I, I had some safety net of not like, oh my gosh. So you can make contacts here. If, I, I don't know anybody who would you'd see on any of these groups, if you reached out to them and asked them for some kind of help or did something, I would say nine out of 10 people would jump over their neck to help you or give you advice or do anything. So don't be afraid to reach out to people who are here. Um, they'll help you. There's a, a bunch of likelihood or post in these groups. Especially when people are new themselves and they're yeah. paying it forward still. I do think that people that have been here for a while and like they've answered the same question 50 yeah, times. They're like, they're like, okay, now it's time for those people to pass it forward. But yeah. what's nice about Chiang Mai, there's always new people and there's always people who are willing to, you know, they're so excited to help. They're like, yeah, I'll, I'll take you apartment hunting. All right, Rob, so I'm running out of space on my hard drive, so we got to wrap this up. If people want to know more about your your all your programs, how to get in touch with you, yeah. how can they find you? Uh, 123amazon.net. And the great part about that is, is there's so much tons of free information. I've got a course on how to find a product that's free. I've got a ton of webinars that have, um, I got a brand new video that we put out a month ago um, called Start Your Amazon Business with $250 in two weeks. And it literally shows you exactly how to do it. We use a company in, in America that will actually fulfill your product and everything right there. So you literally can start and get your feet wet. I'm not saying this is a long-term business plan, but it, what it does is it gets your feet. It tells you to jump and you can jump with $250. I do like that. All right. I think that's cool. Like I, th I think there's so many different ways to get started with that, with the FBA or different strategies. Mm -hmm. You know, I think a lot of people think like, okay, you got to go in, you have to have enough inventory. So you never run out. You have to build a big brand from the beginning. Uh, but I also like your, your style where you're like, you know what, just get in and start making those sales. Well, listen, a hundred dollars a month in Chiang Mai is a game changer for you. 200 really changes. If you can figure out how to make $500 here, you know, you can, you can't probably live here very, very close on 500, but for sure, $750 a month. And so if you bring a, 3,000 and you, and you make 250, that moves you further down the road. So maybe you teach or do some other things, but your idea is to figure out how you make enough money to stay here. So that's why the 250 in two weeks. And that video, by the way, shows you from front to back exactly how to do it step by step.
And it's a free video. And there's, I mean, I've got something called the Super Product Selective. It's about 60 different things that great products have in common. And you can go down there and you can score products. One of the things people get is they get all this information. They don't know how to put it together. This little form on there. So it's Super Product Selective. We've got a bunch of free stuff on there. Okay. Uh, we'll make sure we have a link to it in the show notes. This is one, episode 137. Chavala Pause Podcast. Rob, thank you so much for being on. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. And everyone listening, thank you guys so much for taking the time to leave reviews of the podcast on iTunes. It helps so much yeah. to to get this right, to get this in, in people's earbuds. So hopefully I'll see some of right. you guys out. Check them out. All right. Thanks, man. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Travel Like a Boss podcast. If you want to hear more, including the bonus, how to choose the perfect niche episode, join our mailing list at travellikeabosspodcast.com. See you next week. And remember, if you want to travel like a boss, you need to be your own boss. So start your online business today and start living the lifestyle you've always dreamed of.